But that shirt is awfully flesh tone. Coming up tonight, we take a look at the first episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Then after that, it's going to be a nice long deep dive into Foundation, Book, versus the TV series. Dude, why do I feel like All you should be flying right a helicopter with Fortunate Sun playing? <laughs> for the record, you know that American helicopters only have two settings for Fortunate Sun. And welcome back to your Tuesday night home for movies, games, shows, and books, past, present, and future. My name is Petey York. I'm your host, and I am, of course, joined by our most of our wonderful guests from uh, the Star Wars special, um, Chris and uh, Devil Cry 3. It's good to have you both back. You guys provided a lot of great discussion. We actually got 33 views just on the YouTube alone from that, so... Yeah, obviously you guys were probably helping us do something right, but you also were excited to possibly come back again anyway, so it works out for everybody. But uh, Corion, how are you doing this week, man? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, survived the weekend fairly well. Um, saw some new shows. Uh, you know, uh, got to see some uh, interesting takes on some old ones, and uh, looking forward to talking about it. Yeah, same, same here, same here. Poyas Apatos, how's your day going so far? Pretty good, pretty good. Not too much going on, just uh, ready to discuss Foundation for sure. Just finished the book, pretty excited. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting in. we got a couple of good topics. We usually have two topics tonight, but we've got a long discussion, I think, ahead of us between... Uh, the first episode of Strange New Worlds and, uh, and Foundation. But before we get to that, Chris, welcome back again. Glad to have you here. How are you doing today? Ah, thanks. I've, I've had a good week. A couple of channels in the pop culture community decided they like karaoke, so they started doing karaoke nights alongside their usual content of uh, pop culture discussion. Uh, right on. So, uh, yeah, I, I was on with Tom a couple of times. That was kind of fun because I've been watching him lots on Midnight's Edge and... Uh, it was fun just singing with him, and I'm glad to be back here and actually talk about strange new worlds and, uh, and foundation. Well, hopefully, hopefully we haven't tapped you too uh, tapped you out too hard on the subject. I know it gets a uh, little redundant. You share the same thoughts over and over, but that's also how you build credibility with consistency. So if you say the same thing a few times, then people know. Okay, he's not just he's not just snaking into groups, you know, saying what he's trying to say to get along with people. Now he's he's genuine. He's, he has his own opinion. So. That's, uh, yeah, hopefully that, that works. Yeah, hopefully it's the same. I don't know. I didn't, I missed the other show, so. I, I'm having a lot of fun with, with getting into the, the whole streaming experience. Yeah, so. me too. Me too. I definitely, uh, I love it when, when people ask me to, to, even if it's just, whether it's a small show or a big show, it's like, oh, you want me? I'm, I'm so special. <laughs> All of a sudden. And of course, uh, our last, our, uh, our other guest panelist today, Mr. Devil Cry 3. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing all right. I mean, reality is, Kiss is probably the one that brought those, like, 20, 30-some people last time. I just talk a lot. <laughs> oh, I'm doing all right, though. Watched me a uh, little bit of both shows last few days. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, definitely. Uh, so with that, why don't we go ahead and, uh, and, uh, let's see. Who is among us probably the least knowledgeable when it comes to Star Trek? Do, do we think... I might be. Like, I know a little. Like, I don't know a, t I don't know a ton. All right, well, why don't you go ahead and start with your thoughts then on, on Strange New Worlds? Well, what, what you um, thought overall. Well, like I said, I only know a little bit as far as Star Trek's concerned. I had an uncle who was really into it, so like when I was younger, I watched uh, a little bit of Star Trek here and there because I was one of the only people who would watch it with him. <laughs> Everyone in his family wasn't into it. It was weird. But, uh, I mean, from what I saw in it, I enjoyed it. Um, I mean, there's only having seen, I believe it was only the one episode I could, I could find there. Um, it, it's hard to judge how a show's gonna go based off of an A episode. Um, like I said, I enjoyed it. It was interesting take on a few things. It progressed well. Like, as, as a show is concerned, it was an enjoyable episode to watch. As far as Star Trek lore goes it's kind of hard for me to put too much input on that um I, I did like the the dilemma that pike had throughout the episode though yeah well and that's why that's i wanted to that's course. why i wanted you to go first because i wanted to, to get the the opinion out there first like from somebody who's maybe not as familiar with trek to properly because i can try to set myself out of the series as much as I as I can, right? But the thing is, I will always have a certain bias one way or the other because I am a huge fan of Star Trek. I've been following this stuff. I mean, I grew up on Star Trek. I grew up on Star Wars. Those are probably my two main sci-fi lores. So the reason that, you know, you bring a unique perspective with that because you've kind of watched it here and there, but now you have more of, a, of an open mind to properly gauge it as a show as well and that's kind of what that's something that we're trying to do here is we want to we want to be able to look at stuff from a bit more of an objective standpoint not just a personal while personal is very important when when giving our opinions we also want to be able to okay can we recognize the art of the process um because to bring up a, another controversial topic doctor who a lot of people say that, oh, you know, the first, go figure, the first female doctor was bad. Some people say that. I don't hold it against Jodie Whittaker. In fact, I, I only hold uh, the Chris, the derogatory term is uh, chin balls. I only hold it against him, against that particular individual because, well, he's the one responsible for the failure of the 13th doctor. Jodie Whittaker actually contacted um, David Tennant for advice on how to do the character. So she obviously wasn't the issue there, but everyone's going to have a different opinion on that because of how much they're attached to that particular lore. And so the same applies to Star Trek. Like they, there's definitely a lot of controversy with the way that uh, Kurtzman's been handling Star Trek and it's totally justified. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not a fan of Discovery or uh, Star Trek Picard or as it's been coined in the, uh, in the sort of counterculture fan base, the star trek puke hard which it the show it does absolutely puke hard um so i but i don't like to just assume that because maybe the studio's done some things wrong because at the end of the day star trek isn't just it isn't just alex kurtzman it's 
the writers, it's all the actors, it's all the music, and it's everything. And so to help kind of bring that more unique perspective, we do like having people who aren't as familiar. And in our later topic, um, Chris hasn't even didn't even read Foundation, so he's going to be able to give us an opinion on his first his uh, ideas on how he thought the show went. But with that, why don't we go ahead and get another opinion, Corion? I have yeah, not heard your thoughts entirely. I read your Facebook post, so that uh, that kind of was like, all right, so we'll probably be in agreement a little bit. But uh, go ahead and give us your your rundown on Strange New Worlds. Yeah, the the way I like to describe the first episode of Strange New Worlds is uh, it's that girl at the club that looks amazing, and you would one hundred percent take her to a hotel, but you would never take her home. <laughs> I guess is the best way to put it. Um, <laughs> that's uh, that's one way to put it. Right. I mean, it so I liked the general pl- the general plotting of the episode. I thought um the story point beats especially for the dilemma Pike was facing were actually good. It felt Star Trek like. I liked his solution to the problem. Um that seemed good. I liked um how the characters interacted with each other. I thought that was solid. The problems, though, are we're seeing a couple of things. One is it's fruit of the poison tree. Discovery starts this and Discovery and, you know, like Discovery is kind of the prequel series to this Strange New World, and it's just not good. And them coming back and referencing it is not great. They've ignored a great deal of the canonical lore. Um, there were some other things that were just weird choices, like when did Spock go to the gym that hard? Like, dude <laughs> looks like Captain America Spock, right? Like, I, I don't get it. Um, you know, I, I didn't get the. You know, Vulcans have a thing. I mean, it's quite heavy in the lore where they're only mating every seven years. Neither of those characters looked like they were in the mood to to be doing that. And yet, here we go with a a very sexy scene. Didn't make a lot of sense to the lore. Um, The ship dressing. Look, I grew up in the the Zimmerman era of of Star Trek internal ship design. Where that's next generation, Deep Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise. All of that was done by Zimmerman and he did a great job. Um, because everything felt like it was actually on a ship. I don't know how many of you guys have actually served on ships. Everything is compact. Everything is designed to use the minimum amount of space necessary for it to function. You don't have the captain having a room the size of a bar, right? You don't have the bridge be this massive sprawling thing that you could probably play football in. And you certainly wouldn't have the transporter room, you know, look like it could host a rave. It's just, it would not be how things are done. So there are problems. I don't think they're insurmountable problems. Uh, the the other problem I had was one of the characters has the last name Noonien Singh, which anybody who understands the lore of Star Trek would equate him, would equate Noonien Singh to Stalin or Mao or that really, really mean, nasty guy from World War II. So you wouldn't hear somebody come on, like everybody who had that last name changed their last name very shortly after this person's reign. 
you're not going to walk you're not going to have somebody come up to you and go hi my name is bob stalin how you doing right <laughs> like you know it, it doesn't happen so the fact that this person kept that last name and everyone just seems to be fine with it and not uncomfortable with the fact that you know they probably lost a fair number of you know grandparents or, or and what have you to the machinations of this very evil man feels weird and it feels like they grabbed the name just for the very very casual fans who are only vaguely equated with the lore to go into now there may be good reasons for this I'm really hoping they give her a good origin good background episode to tell us why um this character seems like they have no problem with the name but until we get that I have concerns I think there's a good chance for this series I want to give it a second episode and see how it goes if if they refine it if it gets better if it gets more original Trek like I'll stick with it but they've given me enough that I'm interested to see what they keep doing yeah yeah absolutely and and that's uh i definitely feel the same on 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 the fact that it's a promising start uh but i'll give my feedback in a second um chris why don't you go ahead and and tell us what you what you thought about strange new worlds sure uh i'll start by just quickly mentioning my background in star trek for context uh it was more than star wars it was what i grew up with although i certainly was a fan of both uh, I started on The Next Generation, and I watched especially The Next Generation and DS9 multiple times, uh, Voyager and Enterprise to a degree, and also the original series through. Basically saw everything multiple times, to be, to be fair. And then I got into fan films, and I started to dig deep into how much there was there and, and, and just how amazing fan films were, were becoming. So naturally, when fan films were cancelled uh, around the time of Axanar, uh, that that completely uh, it just derailed me from 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 Star Trek altogether, and and to be honest, ever since that happened, I just stopped. I just came full stop, and I haven't watched anything new that's been made after that. I haven't even watched anything made by CBS. Period. Since that happened, it it just it just broke me from that whole uh, company. To be honest. Uh, so I don't have the context of what uh, uh, Discovery or Picard are like. Uh, and coming into the show today, I, I, I gave Strange New Worlds a chance uh, to watch that first episode. So my, my, my principal takeaway is how do I contend with uh, you know, the idea that, okay, if this was a show that that was a brand new IP never mind Star Trek if they were just telling a science fiction story with brand new characters uh, with maybe some Star Trek themes uh, versus the fact that I'm being asked to contend with the fact that I do know the original series characters and what the canon is behind that it, it, it's it's very difficult for me to to make some kind of peace with that because I mean Spock even if I suspend my disbelief that they would kiss in public and then they would go back to the room and light candles and all that 
I mean, he didn't put a shirt on before answering the phone call. You know, it's like, that that just completely derailed me. I had to stop watching the episode for almost an hour at that point. Um, because I was just like, no, Spock would put a shirt on and then answer the call. He would do it, he would do yeah. it properly, and he would button that, He would button it up with a purpose, you know? Um, and then I, I really started taking notes after that. But I guess the bottom line is, um, so I don't go on too long all at once, <laughs> is that I, I do think it was, it was, it was okay if it's its own thing. But as contending with the characters in canon that I know... It was impossible to like. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's it's not. Uh, it is by no means perfect, and it, it's definitely got some some growth to do. Um, I just I think when it comes to discovery, I just I don't think there's going to be any. Even if Kurtzman was fired, I think it would be kind of unrealistic to expect them to just completely ignore those stories. Now, can they? maybe reference them a little less can they maybe uh, maybe do just kind of slowly phase away from it and just 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 slowly forget about it sure absolutely um, and I, I think that's kind of why this episode was tied to it was just a reminder like hey we're not throwing out our old canon um, but we are just gonna kind of it, it's gonna kind of be the motivator for our first episode and then we're gonna hopefully move on from there so i i do think it's it's you know the trek usually used to have in star trek the three season rule right because the first three seasons you know you kind of were patient with to, to so the shows could find their ground you know the first three seasons of tng it, it's got some good ones in there it's got some not so good ones in there uh ds9 voyager um can't really say the same for enterprise because it kind of finally kind of started to find its stride about season two season three and then season four it was hitting all the right numbers and then they canceled it um so i think with this though i i would go with the three episode rule to start and personally i i like it so far but i'll get into into my thoughts uh after john shares his thoughts yeah uh for strange new worlds i think i'm a lot closer to brandon uh, in my understanding of Star Trek, even though I grew up with it and like watched it a lot, and and I certainly enjoyed it, uh, I always thought of it as the more like higher echelon of sci-fi that always seemed more for like when I knew more about physics and if I ever decided to learn about space, I would care more for it. Um, so I didn't really get into Star Trek a whole lot as I became an adult until the J.J. Uh, Abrams trilogy, or two of three trilogy, that series. Um, and back when those came out, I loved them visually, but I rewatched them recently and they don't hold up past visually, um, especially in terms of story writing. So that was really a bummer. Then I also watched a little bit of Picard. Then I watched a little bit of Discovery. I had a lot of fun with Discovery in terms of that amount of sci-fi in TV. Like, it's been a while, aside from, like, The Expanse, there's very few TV shows with a ton of sci-fi, with mature people rather than just kids, like Lost <laughs> in Space on Netflix. Um, so I really I enjoyed 
getting back into it, but I 100% fell out with the, uh, Discovery as soon as I got into it. Like, as soon as I took one day break from it, I forgot about it until we brought it up a few weeks ago. Um, with Strange New Worlds, though, I thought it was really fun. Um, I'm really disappointed, though, to hear that, like, it, it didn't hold up to, you know, basic canon. That's something that seems to be a really major flaw. Um, I don't understand why it seems so hard for people not to just go back and like collect the data that they own for an IP. Um, and, and especially in terms of like fans, like more fans can talk louder than ever before. And yet it still seems like nobody is writing to fans anymore. They're just writing to make new fans for a week or two. And that's been really disappointing. But I really did like this episode. I thought this is a fun episode. I think it's a fun show. And I'm actually excited for how far it goes. I am worried, though, if it's going to go in a more negative direction. Um, if it does fall along the lines of Star Trek Discovery in terms of falling out of favor right after the first episode. But we'll see. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I uh, I personally didn't have a whole lot of issues um, with the with the show with this show myself, um, but I do. I guess I have a, a different level of patience with this. So, but a little bit of background. So, in my opinion, I think the three best Star Trek movies, if we're just going to discuss movies, are the motion picture, uh, Star Trek Six, and Star Trek Beyond. And the reason I put Beyond up there is because I felt Justin Lin managed to come in and actually take what what had already been set, and he gave us a proper the the first ever TOS movie that that was actually true to form to the original series. Motion Picture does a better job of staying true to the Star Trek idea and Gene's original vision. TOS had a good mix of, of quirkiness and silliness with the character bonding and the character moments that that the original series that i felt that a lot of the motion picture films kind of lost and so that's why i put beyond up so high is because well for one justin lynn was actually a star trek fan finally working on a star trek show and and he did a pretty good job giving us a pretty decent movie now no it's not you know the greatest as far as story but when you really compare it to a lot of the other star trek movies especially ones like five and I mean, while 3 is good in its own right, it's not quite motion picture good. It's just, it's kind of a filler movie. And then, of course, the next generation films, just none of them really hold up that well. I don't, I don't even think First Contact is as good as, as people make it out to be. But that's a discussion for another time. So that's why, going into this, I, I liked Season 1 of Discovery. I'll probably never watch it again, but I think it's at least worth watching once. Uh, you can tell about most of the way through the series where they fired Brian Fuller and brought in Kurtzman because the writing quickly degrades fast. Um, the uh, the whole plot twist in season one I really enjoyed, and then I, of course, enjoyed the first half of season two, and uh, Anson Mount is the whole reason why I was going to give Strange New Worlds a, a shot in the first place. So to address some of the some of the points that you guys brought up, and your points are valid. I'm not saying that you're wrong for having an opinion. Don't don't get me wrong. Um, I'm just going to say that. So the first one, the the big one 
the biggest offense throughout all of Star Trek, and this isn't just a Strange New Worlds problem, this happened with Enterprise as well, is the technological canon changes. I understand that in an ideal world, we'd want the, 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 the technology to be what we're familiar with. DS9, the Trials and Tribulations, which is probably one of the best Star Trek episodes ever, did a very good job of keeping true to the original series and splicing in the DS9 character. This is just one of the greatest Star Trek moments in, in all of, of Trek. And and a lot of love was put into that, and you can tell because they, they rebuilt the original Enterprise. They, they had the sets, they had the lighting, they had the colors down. And so that was a proper homage to the original series. Now we've kind of moved in, and, and, and so when Enterprise came out, though, the technology looked a little more updated compared to what was in the 23rd century, and I remember people, sent, you know, griping about that, like, oh, you know, it looks too new, looks too modernized. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that our own technology in our timeline, in our universe, so to speak, has progressed, and that's in no small part because of Star Trek, you know. When uh, Kirk flips open his communicator the first time, or whoever flips open their communicator the first time, that was an idea that didn't exist before until somebody decided to make that into. And, and then we went through the flip phone phase. Now we have touchscreen phones. Now we have literal. We already have pads. So it's like so our technology has changed. So it's it's from a production standpoint, it can be hard to want to justify keeping the technology more older looking because it's like oh we already have this stuff you know there's nothing there's nothing new about the the communicator well the communicator is still relatable because people do miss their flip phones but that's just one example of the technology evolving and changing as the technology progresses um i've noticed that in every star trek series or movie they kind of try to like make it more advanced versions of the stuff that we have in the era that it's written and so, Corion, you bring up a valid point about the original series being based off of uh, 60s era warships. And that's exactly what they were, that's how they were crewed, that's how they were, they were standard. Um, warships aren't designed that way anymore. Uh, the one I served on, the, uh, the Coast Guard Cutter Bertolf, in while I was serving in the Coast Guard, uh, we actually had six-man staterooms for, as standard crew berthing. Um, to put that into perspective, your average stateroom is going to be like 30 or 40, you know, people to a, to a small confined living space. So we actually had like almost like actual crew quarters on the ship. And even the captain's quarters, I, I mean, for, for her, it was basically a small apartment on the water. And so the, the living situation and even the underway living environments, even on the new aircraft carriers, they now have like small convenience stores on those things now. And they have full on subways and Starbucks like like it's 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 amazing how much ship life has evolved in just since the 60s. So for me, having had that perspective being on the boat, seeing them kind of go with the more TNG style enterprise with this show didn't really bother me that much and it didn't surprise me yeah it seems a bit it, it does seem a bit kind of out of place because yes now this is a prequel before tos era the way i see it is it's just a different visual representation because i think if the story's there you could probably just kind of in your mind just imagine it being more on an original series style enterprise um 
and so I, I don't. It just, it just doesn't bother me. Is, is really what I'm saying. But that's a personal opinion, and that's, that's all. That's all I'm sharing is just my perspective and saying that, uh, yeah, I wasn't bothered by it. But I can see that. Okay, yeah, it is. It's like, okay, why is it that we go from <laughs> now we're gonna go from luxury yacht back to battleship? And then back to luxury yacht and then in in tng so i can understand i understand where you're coming from is what i'm trying to is what i'm saying i'm just saying for me i could kind of overlook it story wise i felt that this was finally a proper uh true to form original series uh story and i mean like balance of terror original series not spock's brain or naked time which it also seems a lot of Star Trek fans forget exist. I don't know why. I don't know why. Is it just me, or does it seem like some fans like when whenever they bring up the original series, it's like they think, oh yeah, Balance of Terror, the best one ever. Which yeah, it's, it's up there, but the the cheese is still there, guys. The bad episodes will never go away, and I think it's important to you know keep that in mind because yes, while this episode did have some silly moments overall, again. I don't hate any of the characters. I like all of them. And Corian, you did bring up a very valid point at uh, at Security Chief Nunian Singh's last name. That's that's going to be a little odd, um, especially now. That just makes Space Seed even worse because first of all, Star Trek Two, he shows up and he says, "Oh, I never forget a face." And so it's like, well, Chekhov wasn't there during Space Seed, as far as we know, so he must have been reading the Crew Manifest. Now he's going to be reading the crew manifest and he's going to see a Noonian Singh served on the Enterprise at some point. So, yeah, that that one definitely gets a it, it gets a bad hit for that. I, I liked the character. Um, I, I didn't mind the whole horrible backstory or whatever. I, I thought that they actually delivered that pretty well and in a believable way. And actually somebody, <laughs> I think I got into it with somebody on one of the other groups because I was like, uh, Deep Space Nine had some pretty harsh backstory for Kira and Nerese, okay? It, it's not that it, it's really not that far-fetched to have a character that's got a, you know, a rough past. And, again... Uh, I, I would also say that uh, Nerese's backstory, um, when you look at it through post-9-11 eyes, takes on a totally different meaning. Yeah, and that story was in the pre-9-11 world. So, yeah, I felt the characters were good. I felt the pacing was good. I felt the overall message was very good. Um, some people insist it's one-sided politically one way or the other. I didn't see it that way at all. Um, I know they showed footage from a certain event that took place in the United States. Well, they also showed a bunch of riot footage, too. So, I felt it was a very middle ground message calling out both sides. I mean, Pike even says, competing ideas of liberty, and, and, and it's like it's a reminder it's a it's a warning that we really do have the opportunity to control our destiny we do have the opportunity to realize okay we really don't need to blow each other up with warp bombs <laughs> and we can settle things with with debate and discourse and that i think is is a really good message to put out there and i think that's you know i've said it before on a couple of other uh mediums and i'll just say it here on the stream um even if Rod, so the the author, I think it was Akiva Goldsmith, who's the primary writer for the show. He went back and he actually rewatched the original series before he started writing this this showdown. And so, if Roddenberry's original series influences even just fifty percent of this show, then that's good enough for me because then it's going to take all of these these so called Drekkies or new Trek fans or however you want to call them. 
it's going to get Roddenberry's message to them finally. And that's really, I think, what matters in the end on how this show goes, is that if we get if we get people to start thinking more and talking more and, and, and at least hearing the original ideas that Roddenberry had, even if it's repackaged in this newer format, then I think the show is good enough for me. Um, but that's just my take. I mean, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm looking forward to Thursday. I, I really, oh man, really love the opening credits. I, I may or may not have watched them uh, by themselves a few times just before I went and played Star Trek Online. So, but yeah. Uh, I'll so that's my feedback. If anyone wants to make a counterpoint, Chris. I'll certainly be interested to see how they deal with the, um, the mood of... of the ideal, the idealism of the Federation, uh, how much it, 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 it truly is like a like an like you know the original ideal society, or how corrupt it is. Because what I what I did note when I was watching the episode, uh, there was that moment where where Anson says, "Join the Federation," uh, you know, as though this is you know a wonderful and beautiful and ideal thing. And then moments later, we see a scene where they're where, where they're sitting, you know, at, at a table uh, together, talking about how, you know, there weren't any more serious repercussions with, with you know, um, with, with, with taking care of the situation in the way they did, you know, going through a loophole. And I got that little bit of a vibe in my head, like, oh, hey, the Federation's really corrupt, and there's bad things going on there, and it's not really as ideal <laughs> as it seems. And, you know, it, as tempting as it, as it is from a dramatic standpoint to go down that path, it, it also kind of strips away the beauty of the moment where Anson Mount can stand in that debate room and say, join the Federation. You know, we, we have resolved all our issues. Uh, we are living in peace. But not really. Uh <laughs> I would comment on that one, Chris. Just that one, if you don't mind, real quick. Um, the way that uh, he discussed the loophole is it wasn't with anybody outside of Starfleet, and it was more in terms of covering his and his team's like reputation. So it wasn't so much as a loophole in terms of navigating the law, it was like because he was there at the events that occurred, he knew that nobody wanted to talk about or take responsibility for those events. And because of that, he was able to justify what he declared as second contact. So it wasn't so much like skirting the law, it was more covering themselves. Just in like it, it really seemed like they took the time to be very delicate with his version of yeah. breaking the rules. He wasn't willy nilly about it, even though he said he was. Like he knew more, and the whole show, like the whole episode, seemed to like lead to him knowing more. And then in that moment, he explained himself towards the end. Yeah, and I certainly wouldn't judge how they're going to follow through that on that in one episode. Uh, certainly, you know that would see how that plays out over a season or, or several for that matter but mm -hmm. I do kind of like I do get a I did, I did, did get a sense of that they are trying maybe a little bit to follow that original idealism uh, I hope and yet, so and, I, and I, yeah and I hope that plays out whether or not I can agree with, with other factors uh, you know like 
like I mentioned before, existing characters, existing canon. Mm-hmm. I, I would like to see them try and, and actually follow through on the idealism a bit, you know, more than, than letting it get into, you know, corruption. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, DS9 has a, a whole two-parter, Paradise Lost, that does a very great job of, of exploring some of that Starfleet corruption. And, and I think, you know... I don't know. If we do decide to go that route, I hope it's not at least until like season two or three because that th- those are... It does feel like certain concepts that have already been explored in past Trek shows are probably going to be repackaged and explored in, in this one. And again, I got to look at this from all angles, right? Okay, yes. We could say that, oh, we already watched that in The Next Generation. Well, that's great current new especially younger fans of of the current star trek iteration they didn't and sadly probably aren't and for the wrong reasons however if there's one thing growing up that i could never stand actually i don't even know about growing up it's even today it is that superiority complex that that people can hold and and gatekeep when it comes to fandoms and it's like oh you know i was an og fan so so this is when it mattered and and it's like (laughs) sure that may be true but at the same time what's what's more important holding on to those pearls or getting new fans into star trek and if this is the show that gets more people curious about the original series and the next generation great uh, that's what we want to see. And they might go back and be like, oh, hey, uh, Strange New Worlds copied this. It's like, yes, they did. But you wouldn't have seen that concept otherwise. So, yeah, it's... Well, I'd like to pose how much of it is repackaging and how much of it is the writer saying, I think I can do it better. Well, and, and that's... And I should clarify, too. That? I'm just making a guess on based off of the uh, the this season on Strange New Worlds trailer. So I don't know for sure one way or the other. But mm-hmm. I do think that... I think that's what we're going to see a lot of is a lot of those original Star Trek concepts come up. And so... Uh, yeah. But overall, I think the premise of the episode was fine. Not, not the greatest. I've seen some people bring up the whole, oh, they learned how to build a warp bomb from observing from a distance. It's, which it's like... Okay, that does seem a little bit far-fetched until you go back to Star Trek First Contact and you realize, well, the first warp engine was developed out of a nuclear missile. It's established they have nuclear capability and also NASA has been developing a, a matter-antimatter engine. The only problem is is the gamma radiation. So, well, and so, let's not forget the old cliche, seeing is believing. Right? Like, a lot of science is theory, but when you see theory actually exercised, it's like, oh, there is an answer. The solution does exist. Okay, now we'll find it. Well, that's... Right. I mean, when you go down that route, you even enter in a certain realm of, like, you have to then think about, like, what reverse engineering is entailing, for example. So, like, if... Especially if you look at, say, our modern day, what we have access to we saw a new weapon on a battlefield and we were able to get proper images of it to where we could get a relatively accurate say sketch down of what it was and we had video or seen it operate your ability at that point to which if i recall correctly they they would they had imagery and video of that space station in action you now have an you now know all right this is what it looked like when it's operating this is what it's connected to this is 
roughly what I believe this is functioning out of. How does that happen? And then you're theorizing down the road of how you make that happen. Fire our modern firearms a little easier to do because we have a general understanding of like what has to happen to make that operate. But like when you have a visual reference, reverse engineering something, it doesn't have to even it doesn't have to be a one for one to do the same thing. And when especially if you're just making a thing explode, and you're like, well, I know this yeah, has to pertain to this other like... thing. I don't need it to operate like an engine. It just needs to go bang. Like that gets that's even more simpler than people realize. Like making things yeah. explode's not hard. Making things explode stably is hard <laughs> and not, you know, accidentally well, making it explode it can be difficult. This but, is like if we we got a whole new theory of like like gravity theory came because we saw ships that were defying gravity and we were 100% like proven that that is a device that exists suddenly a whole new school is going to be like sprung up from it that's going to have nothing to do with quantum or um the other uh main the theory string for theory. string theory right um so like y this would be like warp theory just shows up you see warp exists now you know warp theory but like atomic theory only one section of atomic theory has anything to do with blowing up bombs Right, so like warp yeah. theory is now the full field, but the government's gonna fund warp bomb theory. Yeah, yeah. Well, they I even mean, make I'd the even, point of how that was weird. Mm -hmm. I'd even go farther to say that if we were observing, okay, let's say just right now, today, some interstellar traveler traveled through, you know, right by Earth, realized we're here, went, oh crap, and then jumped back to light speed and got out of here. The amount of radio telescopes and everything else, we would point at that immediately and get any kind of reading we possibly could and then sit down going, okay, how could we cause similar readings would be exactly what we would do. We would sit down and go, okay, in order to do that, they must be containing a matter and antimatter explosion in some fashion. Well, we know with our current understanding of matter antimatter, mm -hmm. You need some sort of magnetic bottle to hold the antimatter. And if they're reading some other emission that could point to how they're controlling that reaction, then suddenly things change, right? Things change a great deal because now we have that, that missing link that we didn't have previously that we can sit there and go, oh, that's how it's done. It's got to be the interaction of these following things in some fashion. So now we have all the Lego blocks. We don't necessarily have the what the end product is supposed to look like, but we can get it close. And, yeah. you know, there's going to be governments that are going to say, if you can get it close enough to annihilate them, I will give you all the money mm -hmm. to make that happen. Yep. And that's exactly what happened here. It makes sense from uh, a logical perspective. And, you know, that's why I actually didn't even mention any of the technological stuff in the, the series. It looks more modern, and I accept that. I accept that. I can even go so far as to say, if Gene was alive today, and he was going to go, what visuals, what do I want the future to look like now that I have the tech available today? If that was the inspiration for how they did things, I have no problem with it at all. I have no problem with Gene if he was alive seeing cell phones 
and seeing Skype calls going, hey, you know, maybe we should build in some sort of connector for the, the communicator. So when I tap it into a console, it brings it up on screen. I have no problem with that. That makes sense to me, right? I have no problem with the bridge having um, an almost holographic-y kind of look instead of physical switches and dials. Because at the time when they were working on it, they would have never conceived of like a flat panel touch display, right? But it makes sense to have in that reality. So I'm down with it. The The stuff that loses me is, look, I, I know you, you've said that, that ships have gotten a little bit more expansive and whatnot. And 100% I'll buy that. Um, every Canadian ship I have been on has still got the utilitarian Spartan kind of design to it. So for me, that's that's where I'm basing it on. Uh, I also think that I, I've seen the inside of, of like luxury yachts. I have never seen a captain's area with that much, you know, awesome space. On top of that, look, yo man, fire in fire a fireplace inside a ship, dude. Space. <laughs> if you ask any NASA engineer the one thing they're actually really seriously afraid of happening on a spaceship is fire. And yeah. when you ask them what would happen if there was a fire on the ship, the response is <laughs> everyone would die in a fire. Right? So but seeing yeah, open flame like that is just jarring to me. Like, no, it, I, I, I feel yeah, like that's, that's a display <laughs> of the technological advancement. Because, like, like, we have oxygen in our ships because that's the main thing we need to breathe. But, like, our atmosphere is mostly nitrogen. Right. I right? mean, like, look, uh, here's what I would say. I would even compromise and say if at some point down the line, okay, they show it was actually holographic flames and they weren't actually real, like, it wasn't a real campfire, it was a holographic fire or something, I will completely w- withdraw my complaint and say <laughs> that makes complete and total sense. And I'm 100% down with it. Holographic flame wouldn't even be that crazy of an idea. Like, that's that's not yeah, even I, all that wild of an idea for us now. We actually we're have that cool. stuff oh, yeah, now. I, I definitely would. I definitely give you that. I don't recall. I didn't recall even seeing that. I may have been looking away because I did watch part of it while, like, I watched it toward the tail end of work. So there was a portion of the show where I was like off and on paying attention and just listening to what was going on. So, like, there might be aspects of that that I would normally probably have cued in on because I like little details and stuff. Um, but, yeah, no, I would definitely agree with you on the fact of, like, if he has an open flame on a spaceship, that's wild. <laughs> that's yeah. That's an interesting move. And you did bring up even, uh, which I hadn't thought of, they would definitely be able to get a lot more, like, if that happened for us right now, we would get a lot more than pictures and video. We get all kinds of crazy readings from that. We would we would scrounge for every little minute detail possible because it could be the tiny the the key that is needed to make that progress. And by golly, if we were at a situation that where a bomb was needed and we had that information, we would definitely skip straight to bomb, without a doubt. It, it, it's it's not even it's not even a, like a question. And what I do like is in the show though, it with the crew like that is a point of like confusion at first because they don't understand what's going on like well how did they get to bomb first like that's not that's not the process for this this is this it's engine then bomb how to get the bomb and then they go down and they're and they find out what's going on they're like oh well now this starts to make sense now like now this now i understand how they got to bomb like this is really bad (laughs) 
but there is definitely oh go ahead I see you're trying to talk uh sorry i thought i'm just i'm still trying to get in the flow of transitions making it look nice no you're focus good man. on everybody um yeah and i so does anybody know because i think this is something that maybe we should probably know how exactly the russians got the bomb like did has that ever my been cleared up my understanding based on the the reading that i've done because I've, I've read a few books on the subject in in like manhattan project history was it was a combination of spies um readings from demolition sites um cooperation sort of with the post japanese government so they could get in and take a couple of readings um and uh watching and like observing the um the nuclear weapons tests there was also a huge commission in the un uh at around that time where everyone was put like once the un was formed one of the first things that got discussed was u.s you need to share your nuclear technology uh and of course the u.s was like flat out no um but the fact that there was that much interest you can imagine that they're gonna sit there and they're gonna you know somebody's gonna be you know some geek in a lab coat is suddenly gonna get a new russian girlfriend and they may not know (laughs) it's necessarily a russian girlfriend but you know somebody is things are gonna leak right um the other part of it too was okay um this is getting into areas that can't 100% be confirmed but there's enough evidence to lead me to believe it. There is a lot of discussion saying that the German scientists who were working on the the Germans' version of a nuclear device had more or less got everything ready to go to testing phase, but absolutely refused to because they didn't want the German military to have that kind of weaponry because they knew it would be used. And they were terrified of the consequences of that being used only about half of the German scientists were brought over to the U.S. through Operation Paperclip. The other half weren't. It's entirely plausible that some of them wound up in Russian hands. I actually uh, was going to say, like, the one thing, the one piece of note that I was going to say I I thought I recalled was that that literally what you were just talking about and that I don't remember where I read it because I've I've read a lot of different things. In high school, I did a report on the atom bomb, I did, uh, along with uh, uh, I forget the two bombs' names because my memory's garbage. But uh, Fat um, Man and Little Boy. Fat Man and Little Boy. I always want to call them the opposites. Um, I could have swore I remember reading about how Russia had made a point about getting some of those scientists because I recall reading or hearing about exactly what you're talking about. Where supposedly they had they they were either very close or pretty much had figured it out but hadn't done it and that we as well as russia had picked had pulled from that pool of personnel and that i thought that's pretty heavily part of what led to that as well so yeah that's what justified operation mockingbird which is the cia's operation of recruiting nazi scientists Operation and Paper that Club. was during the East-West Berlin when the wall was up. Mocking, Mockingbird's was... another discussion for another show. 
Well, but that, so the, the reason the I was asking that was because it, some of the some of the complaints I've seen circulated are that oh you know they got a warp bomb just by observing and it's like it, that's kind of how things happen. We didn't well, get to the first airplane by you know having somebody show up and say oh here's a plane and this is how it works and they taught us no. We watched the birds. For hundreds of years, man has watched the birds and has done everything that we can to try to mimic their flight. And finally, you know, it took hold. And then from there, it's just, just every every idea that, that snowballs from that. You know, we don't, we're not going to achieve space travel, at least right now in our lifetime, without, you know, without coming up with ideas and, and observing the results. And so it's not that far-fetched for me to accept that premise that in that close vicinity where they had that big battle and they had all those warp signatures, you know, it, it's it's literally going to be that guy in Independence Day who's sitting at a listening post and nothing's going on. And then he's going to get that one beep and then he's going to be like, huh, okay, that's weird. And he's going to get another beep and he's going to get more. And then all of a sudden, and, you know, the, the satellites are picking up all this energy going on and it's going to be the, it's finally his life is no longer wasted or her life. If it's a, if it's a female that's observing the star. And so, no, it's not that, un, it's not that hard to believe that they did that, that they were able well, to pick up on, on their tech and quickly reverse engineer, especially uh, if if they were in fact a pre-warp civilization, which they they were like right on the verge, they were just busy trying to blow each other up. Yeah, so, let, let's acknowledge that they were they're represented as very similar to us. Like they had right. giant flat screens in every single area, and they were like built into the walls. That's something we have yet to get to, right? Because like our TVs degrade too quickly over time. So if we're gonna build them into our walls, they need to last longer. And well, that's and this is this society had achieved. This is the other thing that 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 also goes along with it is just because a society might evolve similarly to Earth doesn't mean they're gonna evolve exactly like Earth. Mm. Yeah. They have different mm -hmm. environmental conditions that have affected their development and growth. They have different materials within their access that, that we don't on our planet because each each planet out there is not... Each Earth-like planet isn't as Earth-like as that sounds. The, the statement Earth-like does not mean Earth-clone. It means there's a planet that can sustain life, but it might develop a little differently. I mean, their physiology was different, so there's obviously different elements that affect them that way. So... That's why, you know, I felt like people that complaining about that, they were kind of looking for the reason to not well, like the show. And, and so I, I think a lot of people that like complain about that mostly just think of observation as seeing with your eyes. And it's like, yeah, if we all saw an explosion from our back patio, most of us aren't going to be able to calculate anything right like I, if i saw this war battle that was like depicted in the episode it's like there's no way i would be able to go oh that's spaceships i know how to come up with warp theory but like there is a guy there is a girl there is somebody in this world that is there's a whole the bunch verge, of satellites they just need a little bit of like confirmation and yeah that's not even mentioning all of the observation tools like like somebody, like Galileo, or not Galileo, the um, Newton, it was an apple, and suddenly he was like, oh, that's why the apple falls and tumbles. How did There's this a happen force. anyway? Right? Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's what, like, 
we're ignoring when they say, oh yeah, it was observation. Yeah, observation with satellites, observation with camcorders, observation with magic things All that kinds we of sensor can't data. describe in terms of satellite technology recording devices. Like, they mess with the high fidelity of their scans by literally changing the frequency of the photo they're taking. Like, I don't know what that is. All right, I'm we not do have a writer talking. comment in the chat. Hey there, Corion sent me from the Orville Nation. Well, hey there, Orville Nation. Welcome to the discussion. Great name for your channel. Well, thank you. We appreciate that. We we kind of came up with that ourselves and have decided to stick with it because uh, that's pretty straightforward. But we're all, most all of us here are writers or aspiring writers in one form or another. So I should check out your channel. I, I've, I've seen it on, on another stream. Uh, yeah, I yeah. I haven't, I haven't actually gone looked yet. But and and honestly, guys, thank you very much for for showing up. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, stay. Pull up a chair, guys. Absolutely. We're we're actually about to finish up our Strange New Worlds discussion because we are almost an hour into the show, and we we kind of I see. And I knew this show was going to do it too. That's why I was like, ah, you know what? Let's just keep it to two segments because it, it Star Trek is a lot to unpack. Um, I will finish by saying, like I said, I really liked it. I uh, I think it's off to a strong start. Yes, it still references Discovery. It is what it is. Um, if you don't want to like it for that reason, that's acceptable. Um, it's just, I think we should really give this show a chance because I think it has, I think this is going to be the show that finally reaches those other Discovery diehard fans and, and gets them to go, hey guys, maybe maybe learn a little tolerance, learn a little more inclusion. Respect the fact that other fans, OG fans, are going to have their reasons for not liking the show and it's not going to be because of your favorite buzzword. It's going to be because... They just don't like the show for the reason. And so I I just I want to get to a point where I would rather have multiple Star Trek shows on and we can figure out which ones we like and which ones we don't like. And then we can have proper Trek disagreements like we did back in the 90s. You know, when both TNG and DS9 were on, there was a big rivalry there. When both DS9 and Voyager were on, there was, you know, a bunch of rivalry there. Granted, this was before Twitter and all that. So the discussion wasn't as, you know, wasn't much further than the water cooler at your place of work. But now, since technology has gone so much, um, it's, uh, oh, we got another comment in the chat from Samuel Mum. Someone shared your stream with me on Twitter and it shows unavailable settings. Hmm. I, uh, do we want to check that real quick? Question mark. I have it up on three different streams right now, and it is yeah, currently I've got working. It. It's, it's working. I don't know if we're maybe. Uh, you know what? Thank you for bringing this up, Samuel Mum. We will check if our regional settings are bad because maybe this is not available in your area for one of those stupid reasons. Um, if that's the case, uh, you can go over to twitch.com slash the writer brothers. We are simulcasting there right now, too. So if that works better Link for you, in the comments at the or... top. Huh? Link in the comments at the top. Yeah, yeah, we'll. Uh, or if you no, I, I did. I already put too. the link in. The um, comments. So yeah, we we do. We'll have to look into that. I I didn't even think of that. The the regional availability. Duh. That, maybe that's why we're not growing an audience. <laughs> we're only we're only available in the United States and Canada. I, I mentioned this last time, but but there is actually uh, in the YouTube terms they you have to get to a thousand subscribers before they start. Uh, they, they cap your stream until you hit that mark. 
Yeah. That 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 will oh, be wow. that that'll be a, a challenge until you reach that point. But well, yeah. Hopefully, we can get that figured out by by our next show. But like I said, we we do have uh, we do have Twitch as well, which they have probably been the best place to stream. Actually, they've given us like no grief whatsoever for our streaming, and <laughs> almost makes me want to go exclusive. Uh, let's see. There's a lot of differing opinions out there on stream. Yes, and Orville Nation. That's exactly what I love about this show so far, and I think that's why it's a good sign. Is the fact that that I myself, like I said earlier, when I gave my reasoning, I do not like Discovery. I think season one is worth watching once, and that's it. Um, otherwise, they did a very good job of recapping all the stuff that happened with Pike in this episode, and I felt that really played a great great job in, into really giving us Pike as his own character this time, not just kind of shoehorned in with, with season two of Discovery. Um, I did not watch season three or four of Discovery. I will likely never watch season three or four of Discovery, and uh, I only watched the first season of Pucard, and I will not watch season two. The only reason I will watch season three is if they... Specifically, say that they are not going to uh, acknowledge the last two seasons. I don't need some big canon explanation wormhole stuff that removes it from canon or any of that stuff. Just if they completely ignore what happens in season one and two of Pucard, I will give Pucard season three a try. Um, anyone got any final discussion while I get set up for our next uh, segment? Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, just, oh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, okay. I'll go. Um, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Um, I would just say, like, I think out of all the, if you take a look at every Star Trek premiere, because I did that right before I watched Strange New Worlds, is I watched every single first episode of every series uh, going on. This is by far, even with the stuff that really irked me, this is by far not nearly the worst opening. Um, I think we can we can all agree that some of the first episodes of some of the Star Trek series are just rough. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, personally, uh, I felt Encounter at Farpoint was probably the weakest. Um, I agree. You know, Broken Bow is not much higher up. Definitely um, But not. then there are better, too, because, I mean, I felt that the Emissary was absolutely fantastic. I felt like this was maybe on par with, like, The Caretaker, the, the Voyager opening. Um... So, you know, I, I do think it's it's worth giving a try. I mean, if we were willing to give Voyager a try with the opening that uh, the caretaker gave us, we should be willing to give this a try and see where they take it. it. They may take it off a cliff. They may take it to somewhere special. There's only really one way to find out. Yep, exactly. And, and that's, that's why I'm going to give it a shot because it's not, like I said... Star Trek kind of gets that three-season rule, and I think we can do, you know, especially with these production values, about the three or four episodes. Um, this episode has earned a uh, has earned a pass from me for now, so if there is a bad episode this season, I might, you know, we'll rip it apart here for sure, but I might overlook it. Um, let's see, Samuel Norm says, My five cents, Strange New Worlds was a nice show, but since when do Vulcans have sex lives uh, besides Ponfar? Okay. That is one issue I do want to bring up as a counterpoint, devil's advocate. Um, I will say, so there's one thing that stood out to me that I noticed when this was brought up, because I watched it twice. Um, it's the fact that there are no humans present when they're being a little more loose and a little more emotional. 
And I think that's an... Imp so we'll see if this holds up because only time will tell with this series. Because if you notice, Spock does, when he gets the call, sure, he's not dressed, but for some reason answering the call was more important to him in that moment than putting on a shirt, and he should have. Uh, but he was still professional about it regardless. You know, he's, you know, Pike is like, uh, Spock, are you naked? I am not, sir. Um, he, he snaps back into Spock mode that we're used to. And so we'll see if they actually do that. We'll see if they, what they're going to do is they're going to say, okay, here is what mm. the Vulcans look like with their hair down when no other species are around. Because I could totally buy into their culture being one of, this is what we look like when we are around other species, and then we can kind of be a little bit more, you know, human, so to speak, when no one else is around. But we will well, see what happens. Uh, Samuel Mum says, besides that detail, I really enjoyed the Strange New World pilot, and I like the new old Mission of the Week approach. Yes, absolutely, 100%. That is exactly what I'm looking forward to. I think DS9 did it best when they had... Yeah. Uh, you know, you had your your mix of overarching continuity plot, and then you had your episode, your bad guy of the week, so to speak. And I think that's that's a good formula, and I hope they do that with this one. and And I do hope it sticks out as its own as its own thing. Um. So, okay, thanks. I, I do like it when people agree with me. That's not required to participate in the show, but it is appreciated. Uh. But all right, final final thoughts before we move on. Orville Nation, I am still concerned about these writers. How three Starfleet officers get convinced to leave their ship, and why are there only three officers on yeah. the Archer? And it, again, going back to the technology thing, that that one was a bit much to swallow. I'll agree. Seeing how automated our society has become, though, I don't buy with with our current. 21st century 2022 technology where ships are basically driving themselves now i could see them having a ship that's so automated that you would only need three people to hang out on it and that ship would literally operate in the mostly in the internals of starfleet just kind of doing hey we're gonna go here oh hey quick first contact introduction that's what you would send your small ship to do in a planet that's within the federation that hasn't hit warp drive yet because they're in a they're in more of a controlled environment, whereas the Enterprise is going out and venturing outside of Starfleet's borders. My understanding was that this planet was deep within Federation territory, and they hadn't evolved yet. And so when they detected, oh, hey, they have warp now, that's when they sent the little three-man envoy to go handle that. But that's just my explanation. Yeah, and, and again, I, I, I'm not... Go ahead, carry on. on that too. Uh, I actually thought of when I watched it, my, my theory was, well, they just realized these guys have warp, you know, um, within, you know, a very short amount of time and went, oh, who have we got lying around the star base that we can send that knows first contact protocol? Uh, you three? Okay, yeah. Take this ship that we just refurbished and go. We don't have a lot of time. We want to make sure we encounter them on their homeworld as they're testing warp drive not out in space somewhere where it could be a random encounter that no one's counting on so there is a way that that would make sense where it's just a rush job like everybody kind of got caught with their pants down in this situation and that's actually why they needed the enterprise because everything went wrong because they did not prepare well for the mission. yeah i mean that but even kind of makes sense in with stuff that happened within the episode because they talk about, like, they make the point of when they arrive and they're able to look at them and, be, and observe them shortly. They're like, 
well this doesn't make sense they're not at this point how do they have a warp drive they should not have been able to build this period like what is going on and it only is after like several uh i forget what the character's name but the one character's like we should put our shields on this does not this is this weird we should put our shields up and they're like no that's silly it's like you should put your shields up and they put them up and all of a sudden it's like oh we just got shot uh maybe this isn't a warp drive oh it's a bomb <laughs> like so that could make sense within that because they wouldn't have been anticipating it to be a bomb they weren't anticipating that planet to have a warp drive they they still would have figured they were still out a ways before they should even have one so that could even make sense within what you're saying there that whole thought behind it I suspect we can go on quite a while on this episode because I mean I've got oh, yeah. like 20, 20 other things I've, to mention. I have <laughs> I've had thoughts all this whole time that have been stewing. Well, well, then I do have some good news for everybody. We are going to be discussing Strange New Worlds every week because I am I am happy to follow this show. I'm happy to keep my well, I don't know about happy to keep my Paramount Plus subscription, but I'll you know keep it have a justification for once. What? Have a justification for once. Right, because, oh man, did Halo, does Halo suck. Um, oh, I know. I've watched I every watched episode. So, oh. yes, and the Orville, when the Orville hits, we will be we will be doing that as well. Uh, so that that is absolutely on. Yes, the real Star Trek series is is absolutely on the menu. Um, so, now we are going to transition. Um, I know Curion and John, you guys were scared to death if we could even have a show anymore without an Apple product. <laughs> this week I found a way. I don't know if we're gonna find one next week. An apple a day keeps <laughs> an apple. The yes, an away. apple product a day <laughs> keeps the wallet at bay. Um, actually, keeps the Justifies wallet. Justifies me paying for it. <laughs> um, Foundation was a book originally written by Isaac Asimov. If you're not familiar with some of his works, he also wrote I, Robot, which is another favorite movie of mine. I do need to read the book, and, and we, we will be doing I, Robot on a future show, um, most definitely, because I do love that film. Um, however, we are here to talk about Foundation, one of his most well-known books uh, in the sci-fi community, and how Apple TV managed to adapt it from the book to the show Corion, with you being kind of our uh our sci-fi um when it comes to the books the, the the bay of knowledge so to speak or if there's a term in your uh, specific faith that we could use and that would be appropriate um point being sci-fi you know a lot about record. the books and you've read a lot of sci-fi books and one of the reasons why i'm happy to do this show is because now i'm reading sci-fi books that i blew off as a kid because well reading was stupid um but now i uh i am ab- i'm looking forward to reading more books and i've read this book before i even did this show and now i've recently watched this show why don't you go ahead and feed some context? How how well does this follow the book? And does it also reference the other books in the series? Or is it just the first one so far? So far, what I have seen of the Foundation TV series is, is it's primarily focusing on the first book. Um, the first book... Uh, sorry sorry to interrupt the, real quick. We do have another guest arrival. Uh, Maria with T and Telly, who I have uh, oh, awesome. also subscribe to uh, as well it's awesome we are very glad to have you here i've been following a little bit of your work so i'm very grateful to to 
uh, see you on our channel. Uh, thank you for dropping in. Anyway, sorry, Creerion. <laughs> yeah, so first, Maria, you and I need to, to get together at some point and do a thing together. But anyway, um, so, I mean, Foundation at its core is, is a story about kind of the last archivist in the last society that the universe is going to see. And he's trying to make sure that that, that data, that information, that knowledge, that wisdom is preserved in some fashion um, to serve as a foundation for future cultures. And, you know, this primarily focuses on the first book. I have seen hints from future books down the road, um, but nothing that really spoke to me Yes, this is, you know, from the book, from the third book of the Foundation Trilogy. I haven't seen anything there, but there are some hints towards it, which I'll be honest, it's been a while since I've read Foundation. It wasn't exactly my favorite of the, the classics, but, you know, it, it definitely is up there. So what I would say is it's follow the first two episodes followed fairly closely to the book, and then they just... They kind of started to deviate, and I guess the way I, I, I like to explain it is, it's kind of like watching somebody uh, fall asleep at the wheel on the highway. Like, you know, when somebody starts nodding, they start kind of drifting a little bit in the lane, and you start getting concerned about them, but by, like, episode five and six, or, sorry, by the episode after six, they just ignored the road and started blazing their own trail. Yeah, um, no kidding. All right. They, they, you know, they're, they're off the road. They're, they're driving through the ditch now. Uh, they, they've completely gone past the, the rumble strip. Um, you know, it, 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 they're off on their own thing. Uh, you know, they're going to wake up in a national park at some point, I'm pretty sure. But, um, you know, until then, um, you know, th that's kind of where I'm seeing it is, is this is one of those classic sci-fi stories that really begs the question of, if it was the end of the world or you knew the end of the world was coming, what information would you want to make sure gets into the hands of the next people? Right? What would you want to do that, to make sure that they know what you know? What what the really important things are, right? Uh, there's a great line in Babylon 5 um, where they're talking about why they went up into space in the first place and it's because eventually our star will die. And when it dies you know, Marilyn Monroe is gone, right? Um, you know, the, the Beatles music is gone, right? Um, Mozart, Bach, what have you, they will all be gone and they will never be remembered by anyone. And that's why they went to the stars is to kind of give that, that culture almost an immortality. And that's what I feel like Foundation was trying to kind of put forward is what, what pieces of our culture would you want to make sure were preserved so that long after we are gone and you know some other species discovers earth what would you want them to know about us what would you stick in that time capsule to encompass all of human knowledge and evolution and that's at its core what foundation is about and the politics of that and whose opinions matter more about what would go into that kind of a time capsule that kind of archive um which I think is a fascinating book. I really wasn't sure how they were going to turn that into a dramatic story. But you know what? I've got a lot of respect now for Apple as a, as a producer of good storytelling. 
And, you know, for the first couple of episodes, they were doing it. They were really keeping it on an interesting take on the data. It's afterwards, like, it's after that, those, you know, those five or six episodes, I think started really going off the rails and just going into weird places that uh, I, I, I can't follow it. It's gone to a place where I can't follow now. So there, yeah. there you go for your, your, I guess, archivist of the... Yeah, of the channel. Yeah, the uh, yeah, the the, the primary. Yeah, no, our I, encyclopedia. Or it's yes, our our, our knowledge <laughs> base for when it comes Galactica. to good book recommendations. Which yes, we'll definitely be doing uh, the the Forever War at some point very soon, and and I'm looking forward to that. Um, oh, we got another bot in the chat. If y'all are looking <laughs> for porn, um, that's pretty easy I'm to find. I don't know it. why these bots come in here and do this shit. Uh, <laughs> Someone mentioned Elon sending a rocket with all these books. I think it was Samuel Mum, and and yeah, that's that's basically the premise of uh, of Foundation. The book itself is absolutely worth reading. Forewarned, it is very dry. This is kind of more of Asimov's. Asimov is kind of more of that conceptual writer. He does sci-fi concepts. He focuses more on the idea, and not so much on the character development. And so when I watched the first episode, which I was just i was enamored with how much was pulled from that first chat for those first yeah the first part of the story it was so good and uh yes don't worry samuel mum the naked troll it's it's not real it can't hurt you um and so sorry i I gotta remember how to balance comments and, and conversation at the same time still working on my own process here um so the well, I was very interested. I liked some of the creative changes that they took. I liked that they took Gale from being the audience character and and actually made made the character into something else and actually made the character um, actually someone that was more interesting to follow. So I was not bothered by what they did with that character. I also liked what they did with the concept of the emperor making the the emperor uh, a continuous line that that rules by constant succession of the same person uh that that cleon the first you know basically reigns forever um through the process of cloning and how they're really exploring and i really like the idea that they created even just in that original idea because that was something else that they could really explore in depth and i liked the build up between episode three and four like i'm we're really watching this then we get to episode five and that's where the show takes a nosedive i don't know if they fired the original writer if they brought somebody in to to do something because it's also falling into the same formula as the walking dead where it goes super intense and situation right at the end on the edge of your seat how will they get through this and then we get to the next episode and then it's like kind of anticlimactic and now it's going to be boring for the rest of the show and then of course we're going to build up back to the end where it's going to get to the super oh no cliffhanger ending and then and then it's the same same thing over and over and it's so hard to get through because they were doing such a great job with establishing okay this is how space works in our world this is how things work and this is how this oh now now we're going to change that Oh, by the way, our technology, yeah, it's, you know, 12,000 years in the future or like 30,000 years in the future. I don't even know what their timeline is anymore. Um, I lost track of the years. And it, it's just, it's like, okay, now our technology is like so hyper advanced that we can have spacesuits that do 
perfect infrared scans <laughs> at millions of light years away. Uh, but, you know, we can't figure out how to properly water a garden because there's still, you know, wet spots all over the place. I just... And then we have shields that can protect, you know, from literally jumping. That's not how kinetic physics work, by the way. But you know what? Fine. It's sci-fi, right? We got to have some suspension of disbelief. Or, I just... Uh... I don't know what happened because, and then and then we just continue on. Now the 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 Anacreon motivations are unclear because one second they're like, "Oh, we're gonna kill you all," and then they're like, "Okay, so here's what we, we just need you guys' help to build us a ship with warp drive, and then we're gonna leave." Uh, you guys shot down the ship that had warp drive. Well, we wanted the person on board, not their ship. It's like it just it just I, I've never I've never seen a show go from doing so good to just increase into maximum stupidity so fast like not not we're beyond like okay a few idiot mistakes oh we don't know what we're talking about with physics no this show feels like it just went intentionally bad so does anybody else want to get in on the rant yeah um oh. i go for it chris if you have an opinion because mine i'm very different so i kind of want to hear what everybody else has to say before i like yeah, I, I, yeah, Chris, you didn't read the book. You have a very, you have a unique perspective coming in this, totally unprepared, totally outside. So please give us your fresh take on the show. I have zero notion of what they changed from the book or what they didn't change from the book. And I'll quickly mention what one of my favorite television shows in recent years was the Twelve Monkeys adaptation, which completely, as Corian said, went off the road and blazed its own trail. And I loved it just the same. It even had a gender swap. I still loved it. Um, so I, I can go into an open mind with that um, perspective, but I have no idea what they might have changed. And, and it seems like there was three principal storylines here. There was there was obviously Harry with the fate versus predetermination, which I would love to see explored more. And I mean, especially after that, those first two episodes, it just kind of seemed like they moved off and and, and, and and introduced a whole new cast of characters and whole new ideas and I was I was wanting more of that that Harry storyline and I don't know if it's in the books or not but I stopped getting it and I was like oh now they're going on to this thing about the Terminus planet and I didn't really care about any of the characters or what was happening there it just kind of bored me half to death I wanted to, to just stop um, but I also loved the storyline with the Empire, and I love Lee Pace and, and the way he portrayed that character. So I was also interested in, in watching that play out. But it's like every time they went back to Terminus, I, I, I was just like, oh, you know, everything <laughs> to do with that. So I don't know if that was part of the original book or whether that it felt like it was a completely different TV show every time they went no, over. No. It. Terminus is an integral part of the overall foundation story. That's why it's like that's why it's it's so oh we got another bot in the chat, please nuke. Um <laughs> that's why it's 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 just ah it's so disappointing the direction that the show went. And like I said, the creative changes that you could make weren't such a big deal because like I said, it's a concept novel anyway. So adding the drama of the backstory to Gale and, and creating that, that whole thing, it, I think it really helped the story overall, at least to start. But 
man, they just went off the rail. Not just in story, but just even in storytelling. Uh, real quick, Samuel Mum says, may I share a German author whose early work is really good? Uh, I'm going to probably butcher this. Andreas Eschbach. I hope I said that correctly. Um, I think the novel is titled The Carpet Makers. Um, we can definitely he was correct. It is what? the title. He is correct. It is The Carpet Makers. Pretty sure oh, the name's right. I don't know for sure. Uh, yeah, I just looked it up after he had messaged about it. It looks like a very interesting story about a plant where they create or weave elaborate rugs out of human hair. And it takes a lifetime of work to complete. Uh, and so I guess the story is generally about this world. Um, I don't want to give any spoilers. I am looking at the plot summary. Yeah, but, no, I, I mean, we could definitely look into it. No, I mean, it we're probably, I think we're the only sure. show right now that's actually actively doing books on a fairly regular basis. And we kind of try to do one every at least couple of weeks or we don't like to go more than three weeks without a book mention. Um, but it is something we're getting more into, into our rhythm of, because uh, it does, the thing, the only downside with books is it will take us a little while to get to those recommendations because uh, your average audiobook is at least 10 hours long. Um, sometimes even a double speed, it can be 10 hours. So we, we definitely appreciate the suggestion and we'll absolutely look into that. That just adds more. Also, uh, Shuinator, I think, or no, Sushianator. There, I can read. Uh, welcome to the welcome to the discussion. Uh, I see you all are having fun uh, talking to each other in the chat, which is great. We love we love seeing people come here and, and have fun and, and talk. And uh, we'll try to keep an eye out and see if you guys have any ideas you want to contribute. Of course, um, all all opinions are welcome, whether they be opinions we like, dislike. We we don't. Uh, we're about restoring respect into discourse at the Writer Brothers. That's our kind of our primary main objective overall, but uh, also to have a good time and have a talk sci-fi. Uh, well, not just sci-fi, but shows, movies, games, shows, books. We do it all. Um, so getting back to, to the foundation, it's it, it's really sad to see just something like this because the, the concept itself you could have just kept to while still doing your creative liberties. And it, I think the part that really just got me to look to... to I paused it several times throughout episode five and I looked over at, at, uh, at my wife and I'm just like, what what is happening here like when the barrier goes down and all of the anacreans start rushing in shooting and they can't hit a damn thing it's like stormtroopers no stormtroopers aren't even that bad this is just again back to maximum <laughs> stupidity here and like, then you, they you shoot the ship down and they have enough time to run from one balcony <laughs> through the tower all the way to the other side to watch it fall to the ground my, my my initial thought was are they trying not to hit the residents because that's their that's their intention is not to hit them and then i saw that they were actually shooting them later and i was like oh okay and thank you for the nice thought orville nation and uh yeah maria says i am a book lover so always tend to always like the books more and yes yeah, so far i think that's pretty much where we're at with the book i think the only exception not necessarily better where the book was right there with the show so far, as far as adaptation goes, would be uh, Amazon's Reacher adaptation. Uh, the book and the show are both amazing. We actually did do a bit about that on one of our previous episodes. Um, I'll probably put that into its own little cut later on. But uh, yeah, no, we, we, 
books. So I guess with the I, new viewers here, I'm just going to take a quick second to, to break the conversation for a quick little second and explain a little bit about what we are. Books are the foundation. They are the core of our storytelling. <laughs> See what I did there? Uh, they are the core of our, of our story. That's where all of our stories after the first story that was told by the campfire was told and the first time pen and paper came along we were finally able to write down our stories and ideas so they are absolutely a a kind of a lost appreciation so to speak audiobooks and audible in particular has done a very good job of of bringing them to life uh, through different forms of audiobooks whether it just be dry reads like the one for foundation or audio plays which can be more exciting for some people who are a bit more auditory when it comes to appreciating a story so we do like to do discussions here for that we we uh we absolutely appreciate any recommendations on stuff cory owen's been our like i said he's, he's been the one who's had some good ideas um starship troopers we also did a fantastic book really made me hate the movie i still love the movie by itself <laughs> separated from the book but man talk about cultural vandalism um yeah i i, I have oh, a theory oh, okay. about the movie and book I feel like the movie was made so that Heinlein would spin in his grave so fast, you could use it as a power source for faster than light travel. <laughs> Sorry, com comment in the chat from Orville Nation. Maria really likes books. She does entire videos of her caressing books, guys. Just an FYI. Okay, yeah, see, if I could have that here in, in place of my poster right there, you know, just, just, yeah, having Maria present, like, the book... That would be that'd be hilarious. Have a little animation of her just here. It is. This is what we're talking about. But of course, yeah, that's Mar only going to happen. Are you interested so often. in doing any like Vanna White walk-ons holding books? Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, Maria, you know? if you have the capability, we might bring you on one of our future shows sometime. Um, yes, and now I want sushi too. Sushi, sushi nator. So sushi nator. I'm assuming that means that you're a connoisseur of sushi, which I guess. Like that, or is a Terminator made out of sushi? A Terminator made out of sushi. I, uh, I choose to believe in uh, John's headcanon. Uh, sorry, I didn't catch sushi that. Sushi man. Ah. Yes. Keep uh, buying old Star dude, Trek old I... novels. I haven't read the 90s ones so cheap. Yeah. No, good. Uh, good. Good. Maria, are you referring to me when you say PJ? Um... No, PJ is Orville. Oh, that's right. PJ I've is caught Orville. on. Thank you. I've been, I've been reading so I keep seeing and I keep forgetting that. Thank you. So, anyway, who wants to take over the discussion on Foundation, the yeah. TV series? Uh, Brandon, I want to hear your thoughts before Yes, Brandon, I... please. So, so, I'll be honest. Uh, leading up to today, uh, it was only a couple days ago that I realized Foundation was part of today. Uh, I, knew, I knew about the Star Trek uh, show. So, I, I only got two episodes in. Also, I have a weird bit of knowledge only from a previous conversation I had with John where we, we just talked about some of the premises of the show and the general like some of the ideas behind it uh, he, he brought it up to me knowing that it was probably something I'd be interested in and I very quickly was able to start seeing some of the things we talked about for example some of the cloning uh, the cloning with the Emperor which is incredibly interesting yeah the, absolutely. the, the Dawn Dustin Day I so far I'm liking it. Um, trying to get my thoughts together here because I've, I've been kind of sitting there thinking about stuff. I, I definitely kind of get what Chris was saying in regards to uh, like I'm not even technically to Terminus yet in the show. Only the ship headed to Terminus, and there was some aspects with it where it was like some of the stuff 
made sense and I could understand like where that was going and then other things that was happening and it was like this feels like it's just happening to be happening to, to show a pattern but not necessarily adding anything to it um, the ending of episode 2 really like caught me off guard like it was like I just didn't see that ser that event happening when it did I was just like oh okay so you just okay where are we going with this like where are you headed here um I also haven't read the book I'm I technically would be slightly less knowledgeable than Chris because I've seen less episodes uh, I don't know if that helps me or not but <laughs> um well you can still oh, there's just there's just interesting things in it like yeah like so far the overarching story that I that I've been trying uh, that I've been you know kind of following I'm less interested in and more some of like the stories weaved in into it like there's spots like uh, for example I like that from the get-go from the moment you're actually you're introduced to the Emperor for the first time it's made very clear the kind of man he is he like they don't like it's not this big intrigue situation at a table or anything Tim approaching a man cleaning a, uh, this type of painting asking him questions and then just destroys him on the spot and is like yeah you won't ever have to worry about it again and you won't talk again because you won't be around to talk like it, it, it makes it clear in that moment so in the in episode 2 when he then hangs multiple people it tracks it makes sense that that man came to this decision like to this point at that at least you know at this point in the show like they they set these characters up and very well as far as trying to show some of like how they are and how they're functioning if that makes sense um it, yeah it's just it's unfortunate that i had to watch it while also working um I wish I could put more input. Uh, I will say, on a different note, because my brain works in terrible ways, as far as sci-fi is concerned, uh, one story that I really liked that they made a movie for, and if I recall, I relatively enjoyed the movie, and it, I, if I recall, at the time, it was one of the best examples of a book to a movie, was Ender's Game. Mm. Yes. But, dude, I loved that book. That book was... And if I were... Like, and it's just jumping from memory, but if I recall, it was, especially at that time, the best example of, like, see, just because a book existed before doesn't mean you have to brutalize it. You can kind of follow what they were trying to do, but uh, that goes, that will go on another t different direction because I actually have a decent foundation for that discussion as far as knowledge. Um... I mean, I'm liking Foundation so far. Uh, as said before, though, I'm episode two. I haven't made it to five, and I just listening to you describe a shield drop and no one can hit anything. That already sounds awful. Like I haven't seen it, and it sounds terrible. I can picture it, and I don't like it. <laughs> well, well, and, and, and here's, here's ahead, what I would on. say. If actually, uh, real have... sorry, real quick, I do want to I do want to shout out to. Uh, Maria did say that uh, I just spread the word on this stream because you guys are great. Maria, thank you so much for that. Um, we are on, this is actually our 13th uh, broadcast for this show. So we are very grateful for any support, any getting the word out because uh, we do love doing this, just having the discussion, having people show up and, and 
participate even if yeah and even regardless of if you guys are, are here to hang out with us or, or even chat amongst yourselves about this this stuff we love it we want to get people thinking we want to get people contributing in one form or another so uh and and uh orville nation thank you so much as well any anyone who's helping us grow this dream we greatly appreciate it um we do also have patreon and stuff that we can add later but you know we're we're okay financially at the moment. We're not that desperate yet, but we do eventually want to continue to grow slowly and that, that can take time. And that doesn't happen without people like you helping us uh, fellow content, independent content creators. Um, and this is probably a discussion we might have on a future show just in the, the general grand scheme and future of independent content. But I do think that we are the future overall. I think we are the audiences that, that as we grow and as ideas expand, people are going to realize that, you know, certain ideas that are being pushed in, in New Trek, for example, I, I don't always agree with, but I do agree with and support with them having their ideas and sharing them. And I think it's important that we, we exchange those ideas, whether they're good or bad, because that's what keeps us free as, as just even as a species in general, is the free and free flow of information and i like talking sci-fi i like talking star trek i like talking shows and movies so it works out um anyway um yeah, so yeah I, sorry to ruin your oh yeah carry on you actually had a thought to respond yeah, yeah. to uh, Brandon. So, Go ahead. so uh dc i just wanted to um to say a couple of things real quick um if you have not read a lot of asimov um but you like the idea of books that present a concept and then try to build the logic behind the concept asimov is a as a writer is definitely for you um he is definitely out of the the giants of western sci-fi the the idea guy right he he's the guy that comes up with this crazy uh notion of i'm gonna build a series of laws for robots so they can't possibly hurt us and then he goes through how to break them right um you know he he goes what information would i want to pass on to the next generation and then extrapolate that out into what would i want the next civilization to understand right so i mean he is the the idea guy i 100 percent recommend checking him out if i'm also going to shout out another author just real quick which is if you like stories with like interesting premises that take you on a really good adventure and that will keep you hooked check out larry niven he is your guy if you want uh weird space engineering plus really cool ideas for plots so yeah you know, no, and, and we can definitely like i said I, i've really enjoyed honestly I, and I, again Sorry to break from the conversation a little bit, although it does seem we don't have a lot of nice things to say about Foundation overall. Oh, I do. I've just been oh, waiting okay. for everybody to no, get we'll their give bad you, well, Yeah, out. John, I'll, I'll definitely let you get that chance. I, just, I do just want to say, I've actually really started to enjoy the book stuff more often. Um, I really like that we do the book material like this, and especially since there's so much out there. Okay. Um, especially since there's so much out there to to Literally read and to really, and especially like that. That's the other reason I really want to grow this channel is I also want to start promoting uh, other unknown authors. You actually might know one of them. Uh, well, how can they be unknown if this we know fedora wearing dork named Petey York wrote a book too, uh, sci original sci-fi conspiracy thriller novel. But it's not just me I want to promote and get my stuff out there. It's also everybody else. All the other authors, uh, Will Jordan, a.k.a. The Critical Drinker, um, his work is worth noting outside of his reviews. 
uh, but even other people I've started to meet through the different social networking channels. There's there's other books and content that I do want to do want to review. It's just you know we're a Time. little small right now. We're no we're we're gonna get we're there. getting there honestly. The whole but, point of this series is for us to get to our favorite things. So we'll yeah, get exactly. To but I, that's it's kind of hard to help promote those little guys while being a little guy ourselves. That's the only point well, I'm trying to get. So yes, my, we want to do more original content because I think books, we need so to get more of those original books and those original stories out there for everyone mm -hmm. to see. So that's also another thing we're trying to do. Um, sushi, uh, I I'm saw that reply. you subscribed. I'm or I didn't I'm see that you subscribed. You said you subscribed. It didn't pop up in my feed, so I apologize for not getting to it. Anybody who subscribed within the last hour of the show, I guess there's something in our settings we've got to double check. Thank you so much. Uh, again, yes, this you. is what helps us I'm to grow as a community. But go ahead, John. I'm going to respond to Sushi Nader's I stumbled across Asimov way back. Where should one start if you buy a book and read? I love the promo, promo and feel to support it. Love it. Thank you, Sushi Nader. My response is I really enjoyed the Audible book that was re organized to follow Apple's intention for this series that is Foundation um, because I the only things that I didn't like about the show is that A, it's not over and B, <laughs> it felt like some of the things didn't connect to anything that I had read about yet and it didn't dawn on me until we started the episode that the the book that I listened to on Audible that was, you know, in conjunction with Apple TV, um, that it was mis uh, it was reorganized because the, like at some points I would be on chapter three and then I'd be on chapter seventeen and then I'd be on chapter twenty one. And I couldn't figure it out until after we started talking and I started realizing that maybe they'd done done that. And that's what the promo for the book was. But anyway, the way that they readed the book on the Audible story made me love the show even more despite its differences. Because the way the Audible story opens up is with the similar first two episodes. But then it just ignores Gale. It just ignores um, Holden. So and I can speak to Gale real quick, actually. If you don't mind. Yeah, for um, sure. Gale is actually just a placeholder character. Gale's purpose in the, in the book is to just be the audience to get to know Harry. And that's the only purpose Gale serves. Um, mm -hmm. And that, that was the... Mm -hmm. like, like I said, this goes back to Asimov being a conceptual writer, not a, so much a character writer. So that's why I did like the changes that they made to Gale's character. But yeah, I was just, just explaining that. Yeah, no, and, and that's that's more my point, is that the differences between the book and the show are so much respectable, especially when it comes to the fact that a lot of the things that psychohistory in the book uh, alludes to is that you can't predict one person and it and it really takes the time to say that one person it doesn't necessarily mean one person's one action in the grand scheme it means one person and so when the show changed the genders of the two main or of the two main characters of the first segment it's literally like maybe the first like hour and a half of the four hours if you're listening to the book on two and a half times speed which is what i did 
<laughs> so it, it, it could have literally only been like an hour and a half of the eight hour segment or two hours of the eight hour segment not sure um, but the story of Terminus as a whole the story of the Anacreon Empire joining in the story of the Empire doesn't exist at all in the in the foundation like the book, not to the, the detail, foundation no. it never talks about empire it doesn't talk about any of the genetic cloning especially not at scale yeah. like it does in the show yeah so i got to again i got to clear that up just a little bit there that is a the concept of empire is a totally new idea that was made for the show that was not uh, asimov's original story actually so that was that is where i give the show praise is the fact that they came up with the idea of the of the continuous cloning generations of keeping the same emperor um so that's wow, a, that, that makes that. The, so, that see that makes sure. the show in every yeah, little element aspect. of the show not only be completely authorized to maintain its deviation but also still within canon of Harry Seldon's psycho history. Like he, he talks about statistical analysis a lot. And he says that like, at the end of the day, you cannot guess the end of the day, but you can get really close. And that's what the whole book is about. And that's why I recommend the book so much now, especially this audible version, because the way it ended, it didn't, I, I, so felt like there were so many more great stories to come and the way that it was read and told just flowed so nicely and so comfortably but watching the show i watched it all every single episode in a row a couple days ago and i loved it i i thought it was so fun and sure it didn't follow asimov perfectly but it didn't it also didn't disrespect asimov at any point because asimov's story was like I don't know how they're going to get to this, what they call it, a Selden Selden event, but there's going to be a Selden event, and it needs to be responded to. And there is one. There's a Selden event at the end of the season, and it's in conjunction with the first Selden event. So seasons two and three, which really, if they're going to keep with the books, there's only two or three more seasons to come with this one book. And in that those two more Selden events like the show really took what I like Isaac Asimov really offered which was you explain how they got there as long as they got there yeah and and they did yeah and I I want to clear up too if the execution of episode five six and I guess I think sevens as far as I've gotten if the way that they went about that, if, if that was a few executional hiccups and it recovers by the end, then then we'll see. And I could probably give a better uh, response in that area. And I don't mind that it deviates hard, too hard off of the off of the original story. It's just honestly, it's it's the stupidity, the stupidity that we're suddenly you know we kind of wrote ourselves into a corner here. But oh, we're gonna have we're gonna have forty. 40 Anacreon troops storm this 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 facility and they can like barely hit one person. Come on. Oh man. And uh, let's see. Uh, no, no, Orville Nation said casting was pretty good in the show too. Yes. 100% agree. Everybody who who was mm-hmm. cast, I mean the, the person that plays Harry Selden is perfectly cast. Um, and I especially loved his work in The Expanse too. Um so yes, very good Let's actor, see. very good choice there. Um, I do also like uh, Salvo Harden in this show. I mean, that is a big character deviation oh, from the original Harden, but 
I liked what they were doing overall. Um, I my problems with the character deviation was more in their rank and stature within the society. Salvo Harden really felt more like an outsider, whereas in the story, even though it was a gender swap in the story, uh, Salvo Harden is the mayor. Um, and and those those kinds of things kind of disappointed me. Is like Isaac Asimov took a lot of time when destroy like developing his hierarchy of authority, and the fact that they just changed it up to warden to different things. Also, at the point of the story, there's supposed to be a hundred thousand people that started on Terminus, and there was there was a million by the time Salvo Harden was in charge as mayor um or when yeah as mayor and then took over from the board but like again the 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 differences still respect asimov in terms of them being well what if it was a harder start than he had theorized and and that's what his story really gives room to especially with this show i don't think that five six and seven were so much of a derision or a I, I feel like it was more of a slowdown like a, let's get to know the people in this society so we can really understand this society but towards the end it's it carry picks itself right back up it, it jumps right back to where it left you off at that like high climax point uh, I think one of the things it kind of glosses over with the Anacreans or at least should the show should have taken more time to explain especially once they started the anacreans uh motivation for warfare like they changed that entirely because the anacreans um they weren't necessarily as pissed with the uh the empire as originally thought it it really in terms of the why the empire fell in the books is just you know human failure Right, they got complacent and they maintained all of the complacent structures and failed to actually understand anything. And the book takes a lot of time to explain how bad that gets over thousands of years. Yeah. And I feel like that was something that the show missed. But at the same time, they could have taken the time to explain that the Anacreans that were on the on the main world, like doing the fighting, they weren't warriors of Anacreon. They were literally just people that joined what was left of the Anacreon military to be something, anything other than a dying person of cancer on a mostly nuked world. And I feel like that would explain why they missed so bad. Is like once you finally start pointing at a person, it's a lot harder than anybody ever thought. But then that also goes to explain the Huntress. And I feel like that was something that they needed to do a little bit more of explaining. Like it is a known fact among historical, like people who do um, historians of wars, they know for a fact that people didn't like to actually shoot at people in World War II, but the majority of the public don't think that's true anymore because we've all watched enough war movies to believe most people will be warriors in a time of war. That, that was the part that confused me when I was watching that episode in particular because that segment of the show, it seemed, at least in my mind, and I don't know if I misread this, 
but it, it seemed to heavily allude to the fact that the Anacreon, if I'm saying that uh, correctly, Anacreons. Anacreon, uh, Anacreon, yeah. That that uh, certainly when 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 they when, you, when they were talking to their leader, like I got, I got this heavy heavy sense like they weren't actually there to hurt the the colonists of Terminus. Uh, they, they were saying like you know don't attack us, don't don't fight us, and we won't fight you. We you know uh, you're not our enemy. I don't I don't know if I misread that, but then I got confused because. You know, at the end of the day, they it was like watch your your society burn like ours did. And on the one hand, I'm wondering like, do I give credit to the writers that they were missing on purpose at the start, and then the terminus um, colonists actually started firing back and hitting them, and then they started saying, okay, we're, oh, this is a this is an actual fight now. Yeah, or I think it was way close. A- like. It was supposed to be closer to a gangland skirmish. Like, the yeah. Foundation had something the Anacreans wanted, but the Foundations had, in the store, in the book, it's different, but in the show, the Anacreans in the Foundation had never met, aside from the minor trading that one guy had been doing across planets. And that's where I think they failed to really explain the Anacreans. And they should have really shown the Anacreans as like most of the people that joined and went with the Grand Huntress were farmers, were normal folk of Anacreon, and they just got on the ship with her. Um, and like, so like they are playing braggadocious. They are like, don't fight us or we'll kill you. But in reality, they're like, don't fight us. We don't really want to cl- kill you. Yeah, well, I, I, I thought the sense of the show the was, 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 was communicating that, but it didn't extrapolate much at all. Yeah, yeah. This is that goes. It's to what I'm saying about how the execution just isn't there for this sequence because they, they, they totally miss getting that message across, and I, I just it, it, it felt like the motivations were inconsistent, but not just inconsistent, but also. It was one of those situations where the plan had to go this specific way in order for things to actually play out. And then it's like, on the one hand, oh yeah, we're going to, you know, I I don't know if that was the intention of the writers to try and deceive the audience. If it was, you did a terrible job. Um, If it wasn't, you still did a terrible job. So it just, it was, he was poorly executed overall to get the point across one way or the other because one second it's like oh no we just need these people to help us then we'll kill all or then we won't kill anybody it's like when you showed up in orbit try opening with that next time try explaining what your plan is then you start shooting if they don't cooperate that was not established at all and that's honestly what really bothered me the most is just there's no consistency uh sushi says in the chat I'm an old man and I like to read. Awesome. What I found about TV shows, sometimes I like my imagination better than what other people imagined. Call back Asimov, network outage, sorry. Oh yeah, no, that's, that's you're totally fine. Any any point you want to contribute to the discussion, I mean, we'll, we'll try to keep track. Um, I mean, we're only a two hour show anyway, so it's not that hard to, to, to remember. Um, yeah, the, the thing is, and I agree with that, Sushi, the, 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 that's why we do these discussions, uh, book versus, um, uh, visual representation is so that we can we can say oh did they actually do a better job of this or did they actually capture my imagination with this and 
Uh, more often than not, they do a pretty bad job. And so I will watch the rest of Foundation, at least this, the rest of this season. I will see how I feel by the end, and maybe we can come back to it in a later show or in preparation. I think if there is a season two, I don't know, uh, unless it ends after the, the last episode. I don't recall. Worth um, supposed to. Not even close. Okay. Yeah, so doing possibly a, a future something. season expected oh, yeah. in preparation for season two, just like we're going to do in preparation for season three of Ted Lasso. We will have a show before those premieres where we will we will come back and we will discuss the foundation again um and then if we need to start reading more books on top of it to keep up we can also do that as well um so yeah i think a lot of it for me it's just it's the execution of some of these ideas is, is what didn't stick the landing especially in episode five and six um anyone that came in don't yes obligatory like and subscribe we also have it on the text but thank you maria for for uh for that reminder we do appreciate it because yes we i will admit i'm a pretty bad self-promoter <laughs> i'm not gonna sugarcoat that i i i've just i'm trying but you know i got a balance of uh, a full-time job on well kind of a part full-time job on top of of doing this stuff and this show and i want to do more content for this channel and for my own channel so it's 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 life it's how we it's how we get it going but um yeah does anyone else have any thoughts for uh for foundation book v show i mean i i intend to watch it some more get, give you know try to catch up if you will to you guys um yeah and if, oh if yeah that's else that's also what i wanted to say brandon real quick too i don't want you to feel discouraged to keep watching just because i only got so far oh, no. and i was like oh but at least oh, now you know me. you know one you're prepared you can bust out the vodka and go all right yeah let's get this crap over with uh well, one thing i've learned uh the last few years is uh this last year in particular there's a lot of movies i've gone and watched that have come out in like the last four or five years that people i heard were terrible and then i watched and i was like you know, it may not be the best, but I enjoyed it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what people are on about. It wasn't that bad. But, uh, I mean, I'm definitely going to probably watch more of the show. It's interesting. It has some concepts in it that I would be curious to watch to fruition. There's a few characters that I definitely have my attention. Uh, also, Taboon, I had a really lengthy uh, conversation before I ever watched the show with John about some of the stuff that's going on and then i extrapolated my thoughts on like what you could do with it which i ended up finding out are things that kind of occur so i'm curious to see some of those things like come about um it, it's interesting if nothing else like it's in some ways a slower burn than some shows but it's definitely interesting but i'm also like the odd one out here star wars i liked when i was younger I mean, I still kind of do now, and I kind of saw Star Trek, but I loved Stargate. So, what's up? Kinda, kinda like Star Wars. Stargate. Man, you were on our Stargate, show like man. the longest, or not the longest, but you helped as me close child, out that stream. I, as a child to a teen, I thought Stargate was the best. <laughs> like, no joke. Well, oh yeah, no, we, I, I've never watched. I mean, I've watched they a couple are... episodes of Stargate, but I never got into it. I certainly, I mean. The other thing is, I, I have a problem when I start a new show and I know it's going to end. Like I'm, I'm slow burning through Cowboy Bebop right now, and I love every oh, episode man. of it. But the fact that there's only 26, I'm like, eventually that. I'm a binge watcher, so like I find a show, I watch it till it's dead, and <laughs> then I kind of skip on. And the problem is, is like what really sucks is 
as mentioned previously, like I like anime among other things. I like a little bit of everything, right? For example, when we talk about books, the main, ma the majority of books I've read in the past are fantasy novels. Uh, my favorite author of all time is Patrick Rothfuss, uh, seconded by Brandon Sanderson. Very, very straight-line fantasy novel individual. Patrick Rothfuss writing the uh, the Breath of the Wind is one of my favorite books I've ever read, and I could beat a person with the the thing. Yeah, I read it in three days because I was so glued to it. All, I, right. all I did for three days. All right, yeah. Sorry to cut you off, but we are approaching no, you in the line, um, guys. Maria with Teen Telly, she has been fantastic. If you, you, especially those of you guys on the panel who don't know of her work, please check it out. Please, please see what she does. She definitely does a. a Great presentation overall. We might cross the streams. Um, otherwise, we'll be back Tuesday with more Strange New Worlds, probably STL. My name's PD York, host of the Rider Brothers. Thanks. Have a good night. Good night, everybody. Thank you.